here. We're in for a real treat in our uh, worship time here this morning. We have Walter Willis and his family here with us today from Windsor Christian F Fellowship. And I am uh, so blessed with the uh, ministry and, and music that God has given you and how uh, you use your talents for the Lord and to inspire the church. And we're looking forward to that here this morning. So uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. I'll turn it over to him. And uh, you will also then uh, a little later be uh, sharing the word with us. So let's pray. I thank you, Father, for this beautiful morning that you have blessed us with. I thank you that you are here with us. You are overall. No matter the confusion or the chaos around us, you are the one constant in our lives, and we thank you and praise you for that. I pray that you would meet here with us this morning, that you would clear our hearts and minds of anything that would obstruct our worship and praise to you. I pray for Brother Walter as he leads us in worship. I pray that you would anoint his lips and his voice, and that our praise would be acceptable in your sight this morning. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see you all this morning. Let's stand. <clears throat> One of my goals this morning, since I am both uh, leading worship and then also uh, preaching, have the privilege of preaching. One of my goals is to uh, have you guys not get tired of the sound of my voice. So one of the ways we can alleviate that is for everyone to sing nice and loud so you're able to hear each other and not just me. <laughs> Deal? All right. Let's uh, come before the Lord and uh, let's start by reading Psalm 27. I'm just going to, to read it here for us. Actually, if you have your Bibles, Grab your Bibles and let's read it together. I'll be reading from the KJV. I love to start off praise and worship uh, with the Word of God. All right, here we go. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident." One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy, will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in thy plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. My hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Faultless to 
Messiah 
above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sin. Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel. And Lord, we thank you that these are not just abstract names, Lord, but that these mean something. Each of these names, each of these attributes are precious to us. You are not just a Redeemer, you are my Redeemer. You're not just a, a Lord or the Lord of all, you are my Lord. You're not just a rescue for sinners. You're the rescue for this sinner right here. We thank you for that, Lord. Jesus, Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel. for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, the Lord of all. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Yes. Yes.
Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you have revealed yourself. That through Christ that God is knowable. And that that is eternal life to know God and to know the Son. And we set our hearts and our gaze and our affections to know this Christ. He is our life. You are our life. You are our substance. You are our salvation. You are our deliverer. You are our life, our bread, our meat, our drink. And oh, we just declare that we love you. Let's just take a couple minutes and just, as the Lord leads, just lift up a prayer of adoration, of praise, of love to our God. to introduce to you guys. It's called Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. One of the beautiful realities of the gospel is that we're brought in, into Christ and then Christ by the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And it's not then that we become able to have victory over sin by ourselves or able to do all these things by ourselves or able to enter heaven by ourselves or run this race with endurance by ourselves but it's through Christ in us it's by his spirit dwelling inside of us and I love how this, this hymn begins what gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give is there any more that heaven can give uh, than Jesus Christ Everything is found in him. So feel free to uh, sing along. And uh, it's four verses, so at least by the fourth verse, you should get the melody and be able to, to belt it out. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more. 
for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this i hold my hope is only jesus for my life is holy bound I can sing all is mighty yet not I but through Christ in me the night is dark the night is dark but I am not forsaken for by my side the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley, I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, no fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now endeavor is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath I long to follow. With every breath. I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. 
when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Oh, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Oh, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Amen. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. Lord, thank you for that hope, that solid rock, that anchor for our souls, uh, which we can be rooted and grounded upon that rock. Uh, Lord, we love you. And I ask that you would stir us this morning uh, to love you more, to hold on to you more, to cling to the rock of our salvation afresh this morning. And uh, Lord, that you would do a work uh, in our midst. Uh, We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I believe Brother Anthony is going to share and then you all can sit down. Amen. Thank you, brother, for leading us in that time of praise and worship. It was truly amazing. So welcome to each one of you. It's good to see you all here. And we all, uh, I felt like you were all joining in in the singing and the praise and the worship. So let's just keep that going. Um, First of all, I'll make a few announcements here. Um, I don't think we have that much planned as far as a weekly service or a midweek service, but feel free to use the time, use it wisely. If uh, you want to do something spontaneously Wednesday evening and fellowship together, please do that. But it is an open Wednesday evening for us. As far as our uh, service here today, Walter will be sharing the word with us here in a little bit. Give his voice a rest here for a few minutes. Um, So uh, we really appreciate you uh, pulling double duty for us today. Um, There is coffee and tea and water back in the foyer. Please feel free to to make use of that. For For any of you that might be new here, restrooms are to my left, straight back that hallway. After our church service, we will be serving a meal, so please do stay for that. That's a part of our uh, morning fellowship, and uh, we just continue fellowshipping and having a good time together uh, around that time and however long it goes through the afternoon. So please do uh, feel free to stay for that. And the church here, we don't uh, pass an offering, but... If the Lord has blessed you and you uh, want to give to the church here, there is a box right at the back of the door going into the foyer. You can drop your contributions in, or you can go to our website, redeemedcommunitychurch.org, and there are several uh, ways you can give online as well. So 
Feel free to do that if the Lord is asking you to do so. This week I was uh, thinking a little bit of the life of Joshua, and especially the beginning where, where you start really hearing about Joshua, where he took over leadership for Moses just before the children of Israel came into the land of Canaan. And I want to read Joshua chapter 1. Now these are the words of the Lord to Joshua. And Joshua then relays them to the children of Israel. But these are, these are what the words that the Lord has to say to Joshua. And keep in mind the context here of wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. And at this point, Joshua and Caleb are the only ones still alive over the age of, what was it, 20 or something like that, of the people that came out of the land of Egypt. Now think about that from, from Joshua's perspective. Here he is, kind of saddled down with this. I mean, you could kind of look at it that way where he wasn't the one who sinned that caused their wanderings in the wilderness. But yet he had to do all this wandering in the wilderness for 40 years along with the rest of the children of Israel till that entire generation of unbelievers died off because they could not inherit the promise. 40 years for something that he didn't even do. In fact, he stood against it quite firmly. Now we think in our lives that, uh, especially now with quarantine and all those kind of things, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a tough several months. There's no denying that. But talk about the ultimate quarantine, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. We haven't seen anything yet. So think about that. You know, those things that must have been going through Joshua's mind by this point. And God comes to him and he says in Joshua uh, chapter 1, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead the people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions of the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. 
This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Think about that promise. After these 40 years of, of wandering in the wilderness, God hadn't given up on them. He still had a plan. And he says, meditate on my word. Meditate on my law. Now, we have something today that they didn't have back then. The best you could do, if, if you will, at that point, was that, to, to meditate on God's law, to follow his commandments. And that was drilled into them time and time and time again. And, and more often than not, it seemed that they failed with that. But yet, even with that, obeying the commandments and following God in that way, God says, you do that, you have, be strong, be courageous, and there's no end to what I'm going to give you. Now fast forward to today, we have something so much more than what they had. It's not just simply about following the commandments of God. Still important, but that's not what it's about. We sang about this a lot this morning. Most of the songs, I think, reflected this. A relationship. A relationship with Jesus Christ. We get to know Jesus. We get to know God. They didn't get to do that back then. The best they could do was, was follow. That's what God asked of them. But we have so much more that we can know God. We can know his heart. And how much more should we be strong and be courageous and go forward even in spite of whatever adversity is around us? That's my thoughts for this morning and I hope that that will give you inspiration as it has me. So, I'd like to... Uh, Open it up for a time here. If you have a testimony, what the Lord has done for you this week, what he's shared with you, um, whatever experiences you may have had, good, bad, or otherwise, if you have a prayer request, we can pray for you or anything on your mind. just want to give a little bit of time here for you to be able to share anything that the Lord has in your heart. So go ahead. I'm sorry? My brother John. Okay. My brother John. Absolutely. We've been given the freedom to uh, kind of make, the, make decisions as the Lord leads us, but there are a lot of uh, churches and uh, California being one of, one of the worst spots probably where they're being uh, given some pretty uh, firm orders. And I, I know it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to know exactly. Um, you know, where, where that line is in, you know, respecting and following the governments of this world uh, versus, you know, our, our uh, what we believe we're called to do to assemble together. I'm not totally sure where that, where that line is, um, but I think we should pray that God gives wisdom to these people. Um, 
a pretty big uh, situation in California this week at, uh, I forget the name of the church now, but it's John MacArthur's Grace Community. Um, John MacArthur came out this week with, with the pretty strong uh, position and, and I thought it was, it was very well written why the, they believe they need to uh, follow the, the Lord's leading in their lives and continue to meet together and uh, I know in, in some instances in California they've, they have kind of a cap on numbers and but and in some instances, they were told, well, if you do come, you're not allowed singing and, and doing stuff like that. Apparently, more germs coming out of your mouth or something. So there's a, a, pretty, a pretty tight hold, which, I don't know, I, 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 it could be bordering on religious persecution. But there's some pretty uh, tough rules being handed down. And, and uh, that church in particular believes that we need to meet. And I think as of this morning, the, the local authorities were th threatening to uh, cut off all power to their church, all electricity, if they, if they so much as uh, decide to meet. So um, let's pray for them and, and other churches and church leaders in general that God would, would give wisdom. I, I certainly don't have it in and of myself. I don't believe any of us do. There's a lot of gray areas there, but I believe that God can give wisdom, and I believe he will do that. So let's, let's pray for that. Justin, would you mind leading us in a prayer for that? Thank you, Justin. Anybody else have anything to share or any prayer requests?
fired. with which you will be able to extinguish all 
results into your life and attitudes. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance. Don't quit with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. As I read that, John encouraged me again in his book. I'm thinking how David, Brother David shared with us again, the mindset and the reality. We have an enemy who set out to destroy our soul every day. And unless we obey the scriptures intentionally, put on the full armor of God, and intentionally have the mindset of a soldier every day of our life, we won't be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We'll easily be distracted and become a tourist in the world. Amen. Thank you, Phil. Yes, please do help yourselves to those books back on uh, the table, and we have other, uh, some other literature and some Bibles. Anything on that table, please uh, help yourself to that, for it's uh, free of charge, so uh, make use of that if you'd like to. Anything else yet? Justin, can we pray for you for uh, your leg? How's that going? Still healing? Yeah. <laughs> Justin had uh, surgery on his legs a couple weeks, on his one leg or ankle, I guess, a couple weeks ago, and it's been kind of immobile and still trying to work. I'm amazed at what he gets done that he probably shouldn't, but, <laughs> but uh, I'm, uh, we pray that you know, God will give you continued healing with that and fully restore your mobility. John, would you like to pray for that, for Justin? Yeah. Would you like to pray for Justin? voice got some rest, Walter? <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to turn it back over to you again. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Anthony. This is a really cool pulpit, by the way. I don't know if I've ever had so much room here. I can have notes and tablet and Bible all laid out. So this is really neat. Um, like, uh, 
Uh, like Anthony said, my name is Walter Willis, and uh, I serve as a um, bivocational pastor uh, at Windsor Christian Fellowship, and uh, just been able to develop a good relationship with Phil over the past year or so, and um, it's been, uh, thank you for inviting me here, and uh, it's a blessing to be here. This is my family, so this is Rachel, and then my two daughters, Patience and Liberty, and uh, a little one uh, on the way, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Excited to be here. So, we have not, let's see, from, from March, mid-March to through May, we weren't really meeting as a church, as I'm sure a lot of churches were doing. We were doing live streams, and, uh, and then we've been meeting outside early in the morning to, to beat the heat, uh, and so as a result, especially my youngest daughter uh, has very little experience being inside of a church building. <laughs> And she also happens to be very vocal. Uh, the last time I preached, um, I was doing a live stream, and so there's only a few people out here, and, and Liberty is just like yelling out, amen, amen, and repeating different words, I would say. So uh, the black jeans flowed through to her, and so <laughs> you may hear some of that this morning. Open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12. And as you do that, let me, let me pray. Father, uh, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful, Lord, that you have spoken to us through it. And Lord, thank you that your word and, and text points to your word and, and flesh, Jesus Christ. And that we get to know your heart through it. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen your body this morning. I pray that you would help us to see Christ more clearly as a result of studying your word together, Lord, and meditating on it. Lord, enable me to, to speak what your Holy Spirit would have me to speak. And Lord, may we all receive as we ought to receive, Lord. Give us tender hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, it's interesting uh, that Anthony started off with Joshua chapter 1, you know, that, that message and that exhortation is all about being courageous and being strong. Be strong. Uh, well, this morning, I'm going to talk about weakness uh, and how weakness connects to strength in the Lord. My own story with weakness is, uh, I'll just share a little bit of my backstory and Rachel's backstory. We just celebrated yesterday... Uh, six years of uh, being in a relationship. Uh, we've been married for five and a half years now, so we kind of got married quickly. And uh, when we got married, or before we got married, we were just like in a relationship. You know how it is. You're talking about your thoughts and your dreams for life and what that's going to look like when you're together. And we were both young and healthy and vivacious, and who knew what the Lord was going to have, what the Lord was going to do. And all that changed about two months before we got married. Um, Rachel came down with a bad uh, cold, which turned into, I mean, she had some, uh, some weakness and some fatigue associated with that, uh, bad cough, and 
Uh, it's like, oh, no big deal, right? She'll get over it in a few days or a week. And eventually the symptoms went away, except for fatigue. Um, she was basically bedridden. And that lasted for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. At this time, I'm starting to get concerned. Uh, there's no end in sight. Uh, went to some doctors. They really, really know what's going on. And uh, I was thinking that I was going to have to push her down the aisle in a wheelchair. And uh, it turned out that she got a little bit better for the wedding, for the honeymoon. Praise the Lord. Uh, and so we were like, woohoo, we're done. Check that trial off the, off, off the list. Praise the Lord. Onward, forward, right? And then a couple weeks after the honeymoon, she came down with that fatigue again. And that started a two-year process of uh, Rachel pretty much being um, bedridden. She would have ups and downs, uh, but for the most part, she was just wiped out physically, mentally, and uh, it made life very difficult. And it was very different than the first two years of marriage that we uh, anticipated. Um, it had a lot of weakness in it. Not only was she weak, uh, physically and, and mentally, uh, but also made me weak as well. Because suddenly, I'm not able to do all these things, right? I'm tied home. I have to take care of my wife. Uh, I have to not only provide for her with going to work, I need to stop work and then make her meals and help her take a shower and, you know, all these different things. <clears throat> and so I felt weaker than I ever had in my whole life. That first year of marriage was the hardest, uh, to date anyway, <laughs> year of my life. But it was also the richest. And it was also a year where the Lord just really did a refinement in me and a working in me. And scriptures like the one that we're going to, to meditate on this morning became really precious to me. So 2 Corinthians 12. This is the context of Paul. He's talking to the Corinthians and he's talking about a lot about himself. He's talking about um, his credentials. Like, un unlike those who were impostering in the the church at Corinth. He doesn't have a long list of all these different people who affirm him and this, that, and the other thing. He's like, listen, my life speaks for itself. Uh, you can trust me. I have heard from the Lord, and this is my walk. This is, he's revealing who he is. He talks about his thorn in the flesh, which I think is clear. It's a, it's a physical ailment of some kind that Paul is experiencing. Some sort of hindrance, some sort of deficiency in this man that actually prevents him, in the human sense, from being his full potential. He says that he besought the Lord three times that to have it removed. And beginning in verse 9, we're just going to focus on these two verses here, 9 and 10. And he, being God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, 
in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The first thing I want to highlight in that passage is that weakness is necessary. Weakness is necessary. The strength of God in our behalf requires our own weakness. God's strength is preceded by man's weakness. So first we have man's weakness and that leads to God's strength, God's power. We see this in several statements that Paul makes. He says that, or God said to him that God's strength is made perfect in weakness, is made complete in weakness. Paul says, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. Now, our weakness doesn't, it's the, our weakness is necessary for God's working on our behalf. We can be stubborn and obstinate, and God is still powerful, right? Our, what we do does not change who God is, his nature and character. You can be Pharaoh and be strong, and God is going to bring you down. But you need to be the Israelites and be weak in order for God to be strong on your behalf. Strong for you. See, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's in 1 Peter 5. In either case, God's power is demonstrated. Either you're Nebuchadnezzar and you shake your fist at God, and uh, he humbles you. God's power is demonstrated. Or you can be weak and lowly, Like the disciples saying, we don't have anything. Where do we go to? We go to Jesus. And God's power is demonstrated through them. So what is weakness? When we talk about weaknesses or infirmities, uh, this passage goes out of its way to enlarge the scope of what we're talking about. Paul's talking about the thorn in the flesh. So there's this idea of the flesh, the body. Uh, In verse 9, he uses weakness and infirmities. In verse 10, he goes even further. He adds reproaches. So there's different things that people are saying against you. Necessities, like financial need. Persecutions, uh, people persecuting you, tribulation. Distresses. These are all forms of physical, mental, and practical weakness. Uh, And the word, Greek word that for infirmity there is actually means sickness or feebleness, want of strength. These are not sin issues. These are practical situations where strength is lacking. Uh, It wasn't a sin that Rachel got sick, that we were weak. It was just the reality of the sinful world that we live in, that there is weakness here. This is the father of a large family, always struggling to make ends meet on his single income, even with multiple jobs. This is the woman suffering from persistent autoimmune disease and chronic fatigue. 
This is the child who is slowly dying from leukemia. This is the, these are the parents who are spending all their time, energies, and money taking care of the child dying from leukemia. This is the couple who just had their fifth miscarriage and are giving up the hope of ever bearing children. This is the young man battling clinical depression. This is the middle-aged couple caring for a parent who requires 24-7 care. You can fill in the blank. Uh, this is Justin who's unable to run around or walk around. We all have these weaknesses. Some of you are walking through debilitating and persistent disease or physical weakness. weakness. You want to be used by God, don't you all? We all want to be used by God. We all want to be strong and courageous. We all want to do great things for the Lord because we love him. We want to be used for him. But instead, you feel like a drain. You feel like all you can do is just somehow survive and that other people are taking care of you. You're not taking care of them. Perhaps you struggle with a mental weakness. I've talked to people who genuinely struggle with OCD. And it's a genuine, real struggle that they fight against. Perhaps it's depression or melancholy. Perhaps you have a learning disability. Perhaps you have been, just been diagnosed with the beginning stages of Alzheimer's or dementia. I wonder about that. I think that's one of the greatest trials to walk through as a Christian if your mind begins to degenerate. <laughs> These are weaknesses. These are very real. These are things that we deal with. These are things that other believers and non-believers deal with. So why is weakness required to access the power of God? Why doesn't God just make us all strong and remove all these ailments? That seems like it would make sense to me. That's how I would do it. Uh, the answer is simply this. God will not share his glory with another. God will not share his glory with another. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord, Jehovah. That is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise the graven images. Consider this key attribute of God's nature, his praise, his fame, his worth, his beauty, his glory. God is glorious. That means that he is worthy of it all. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is ever-present. He is all-goodness. He is all-strength. And one of the ways he loves to show his strength is by using weak vessels. Because that means the glory does not go to the weak vessel. It goes to God. It goes to the one who is powerful. We are as the moon. God is as the sun. The moon only reflects the glory of the sun. It's the sun who has all the glory. The glory of man is not our glory at all. What do we have that's not given to us? Our breath is given to us. Our minds are given to us. Our energies are given to us. Those can all go away in a moment. But what a mercy and what a grace that he gives us these things. 
What do, we not, what do we have that's not been given to us by the glorious one? You see, God delights to use the weak and the foolish things. In fact, he goes so far as to purposely choose those things. Corinthians is filled with, uh, both First and Second Corinthians are filled with these uh, exhortations about foolishness and weakness. In 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 20, through 29, Paul says this, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things, that means lowly things of the world, and the things which are despised, Hath God chosen? Yea, and the things which are not to bring to not things that are, that are. Listen to this reason. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That no flesh should glory in God's presence. There's countless examples of this in scripture. You look through the Old Testament, the New Testament. How does God... Show his glory and his power in in the midst of weakness. Even Jesus coming to earth as a babe, the son of God himself, comes as a humble child, as a carpenter's son, to accomplish the great salvation of the Lord. How? By dying as a common criminal with a ragtag bunch of disciples who all flee him. That is what gets God excited. Because that is how, that's the foolish things. That's how he's going to get the glory. Think of, I love thinking about Gideon. You remember Gideon, uh, the judge. The Israelites were under the oppression of the Midianites. And so God chooses Gideon. He says, get an army together. Take them out. I'm going to be with you. So he gets an army together. The enemy has 135,000 troops. Uh, Gideon manages to assemble a ragtag bunch of 32,000. So that's, for those who are good at math, um, not me, I use a calculator. But I've already done it for you. So that's less than 25% of the enemy. All right, that's... Not good odds. But hey, maybe if you get the high ground and you kind of do some strategy, you can squeak out some sort of a win. But God is not satisfied with that. God whittles down the number of Israelites until it's 10,000. Okay, so that's 10,000 against 135,000. That's around 7% of the enemy forces. Okay, now we're starting to get into... Um, a slaughter territory, right? Like, this is not good. This is a massacre. This is not a battle. God is not satisfied with that. He whittles it down to 300, right? We all know the story. He whittles it down to 300. That is 0.2% of what the Midianites have. That's a, that's a raiding party, maybe. That's not even a raiding party. That's like... I don't know what that is. Seriously. 0.2%. You're going to take out this massive army. Finally, God says, 
Now that's weakness that I can work with. Now I can work with that. Now I know that I'm going to get the glory. And he even says as much. He says, the people that are with you are too much, lest the Israelites say, mine own hand hath saved me. God says, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to make this so ridiculous. You're going to make you so weak that only God is going to be the answer. So weakness is necessary. Weakness is necessary. Point number two that I want to, to highlight here is that weakness is to be embraced. Not only is weakness necessary, but it's to be grabbed a hold of and welcomed in. Do you desire God's power to be moving and coursing through your life? Do you crave to be used by him to be a blessing to others? Weakness is to be embraced. Let's go back to our passage here in 2 Corinthians. Paul makes two, a few statements that are flabbergasting. He says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in infirmities. I will glory in my infirmities. And then, how about this? How about, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Pleasure, Paul? Pleasure? I think, I think most of us have a, a sense that, okay, I know that God is working through this difficulty, through this weakness, and so I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to endure. I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust God and just hope that I get through it okay. Paul says, I take pleasure in it. Paul says, yeah, bring it on. Here we go. Why? Because Paul's being logical. Paul says in his mind, listen to his reasoning. He's thinking, my life is about the glory of God. I want God to be exalted. I want his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as is in heaven. How does that happen? That happens through weakness. Okay, then. If, God's, if my weakness results in God's glory, then hallelujah, bring on the weakness. That's literally his thought process. He takes, he glories in his infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon him. You will only embrace weakness if you know the truth about how it ushers in the power of Christ. Only then will you give up striving in your own strength and take pleasure in the opportunity to lean upon God. I was reminded about this even a couple of nights ago. Uh, Rachel was having a hard time sleeping, just pregnancy stuff, and so I was helping her, and the kids were up several times, and uh, it's typical parent stuff, right? And I was getting kind of grumpy because <laughs> I was tired. And uh, Rachel said something like, well, be excited. <laughs> what? <laughs> be excited. It must mean God has something special in store. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you, my wife, for that loving rebuke. <laughs> it's good. We need that. We need that. Paul was a man with many responsibilities and weights. 
The entire Gentile church rested upon his shoulders. He ministered to thousands personally and knew that his letters and disciples would reach thousands more for generations. He knew that God had specially called him to be a wise master builder and for his work and life to be a foundation for the church in years to come. And yet Paul, mighty Paul, knew that in order to be effective, he would need God's power. And he knew that only to have God's power, you'd have to embrace the weakness before him. The power of Christ resting on, on him was not merely to help Paul endure his sufferings by the skin of his teeth, but also to make his work in the kingdom of God more powerful. I want to say that again. Uh, the power of Christ resting on him was not merely just to help Paul endure his sufferings, but also to make his work in the kingdom of God more powerful, not less powerful. 2 Corinthians 13, and Paul says, For through Christ, for though Christ was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Your weakness does not prevent you from being effective in the kingdom of God. It may not look the way you would like it to look in your head. But your weakness, if you embrace it and trust the Lord, is actually going to be a means by which the power of God rests upon you and makes you more effective in the kingdom of God, not less. Why embrace weakness? I'm going to give you two reasons. One is because weakness forces humility. There's nothing like weakness to force you to be humble. And humility leads to grace from God. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Surely he scorns the scorners, but he gives grace unto the lowly. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up. Who is the humble man? He's the one who knows that he is weak. I think that's a good definition. He knows that he's weak. He doesn't pretend that he is weak or make a religious show of being weak in order to attract the praise of fellow saints. He simply knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is weak. And there's nothing like a trial to remind you of that. We need to remember that whether or not we feel weak or we feel that we're in a season of weakness, we are weak. We're human. We're man and women. We're flesh and blood. We have failing bodies. We have failing minds. Even at our strongest physical and emotional state, mankind is utterly weak compared to God. I like to think about two ants, okay? And in this illustration, we are the ants. Little, little guys, right? One's a sick ant. He's like, ah, oh, I can barely move. And the other one's a strong ant. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to move this pebble over there and move this other pebble over here, and I'm strong and healthy. And God says, great. Oh, ants, I want you to pick up that Mount Everest and throw it into the sea. Which one is... I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're sick or if you're healthy. 
as far as the ant is concerned, it's impossible either way. Both ants need to acknowledge their weakness. For tasks as big as that, ant strength is not of any consequence. They need a higher power to do that task. Same thing, the task that the Lord has given you and me as we run this race. It's more than what any of us can do in our own strength. So weakness can be a gift to help us remember that's not about our strength anyway. The second reason why we should embrace weakness is because weakness encourages faith. And faith leads to overcoming power. 1 John 5 verses 4 through 5 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is the faith-filled woman? She's the one who knows that she is weak. Faith is relying wholeheartedly on the person and work of Jesus Christ. She expects God to move on her path because, on her behalf, because he has promised to do so. And she remains in that position because she has nowhere else to go. When you're weak, you have nothing else to depend on but the Lord. There's nowhere else to go. There's not extra strength that you can dig down from it yourself. You're just weak. And so you look to the Lord. Most of us are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, the so-called hall of faith. Every single one of those men and women are marked by weakness. See, Abraham was too old. Jacob had a brother who was plotting to assassinate him. That's a pretty weak, right? <laughs> he had to run away from his own family, his own inheritance, be a stranger. Joseph was sold into slavery and cast into jail. None of that was his own fault, by the way. Moses supposedly can't do public speaking. He chose to suffer affliction instead. The description of all of them says, out of weakness, they were made strong. Out of weakness, they were made strong. And they were made strong through that faith, depending upon the faithful one. So we've seen that the weakness of man is necessary. We also see that we need to embrace weakness. That's the, the call of God is to embrace weakness. And my last point, and this is my favorite, is that the grace of God is always sufficient. The grace of God is always sufficient. Because you see, if we stopped with talking about weakness, then we can lead, it can lead us to doom and gloom and feeling a weight upon us. But it doesn't stop with weakness. Paul said, or God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. It is enough. It is full. There is no end. There is no point where it runs out. 
What does grace mean? Well, simply put, grace is God's favor towards us and his power in us. His favor towards us and his power in us. The grace of God is a well that never runs dry. Even in the hour of your greatest need, even in the times of drought and parched lips, even when the well appears to be just a dusty hole, crank up that water bucket in faith and you will find in it all that you need. No matter the situation, no matter the scenario, no matter how pressed against the wall that you feel, God's grace is enough. It's sufficient. To the degree of difficulty is the degree of grace. How many times have you looked at someone, a brother or a sister or a family, going through a hard time, going through a season of weakness, and be like, I don't know how they do it. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. Well, God has given them grace for that. God has given them power and favor to walk through that. And they're probably looking at you and your weakness and being like, I don't know how they deal with that. Well, God has given you grace and strength to walk through that difficulty. God does not forsake those who trust in him. May we join the saints throughout the ages who know by personal experience that God is enough. God is enough. So why is the grace of God always sufficient? We can just read that and say, okay, God's grace was sufficient for Paul. I guess by implication it's sufficient for me. But I need something to hold on to. I need some, some meat to that skeleton. I need some rock beneath my feet. Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I got three reasons why God is always sufficient. Number one, we'll go through them quickly. Number one is that God has promised. God has promised. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You need mercy and grace to help in time of need? It's there. It's open. It's available. God cannot lie. When he says something, it's as good as done. When he says that his grace is available to us, we can stake our lives upon that. So that could be enough, right? That could be, all right, that's my reason that I can trust that God's grace is sufficient. But there's more. But wait, there's more. We also know that God is good. Have you sat back and just thought about that for a minute? That God not only has he promised, but that he is good. His aim and his desire is for our good all the time without fail. Without fail. Luke 11 says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He is willing and desires to give his own self to his children. He does not play games. He does not pretend. He does not forget or ignore. He is near to the brokenhearted and a comforter like no other. He is the perfect good father. Without flaw, without failing, who never makes a mistake 
in his parenting like I do so many times. He is good. Third reason why the grace of God is always sufficient. We know he has promised and he is good, but, you know, hopefully, my, I try to keep my promises, right? Uh, hopefully, you try to keep your promises too. And uh, so, I mean, that could be said of you, that you, you can promise something, and, and hopefully you're good. You don't have malintent. Let's say you're taking care of your children. Um, you try to be good to them and raise them well. But this is the reason that sets God apart from us. Not only is he perfect in his keeping his promises, not only is he perfectly good, but he is not limited. God is not limited. You see, you and I, were limited by our own minds. I can have good intentions and mess up and fail. My best intentions can be easily overruled by circumstances. I can get sick and not be able to come. The weather can come and the weather can change. It can rain out to a party or something or emergency can come up. Even me being here this morning, I told Phil that I'd be here. But it could be that there's a sickness in the family and I'm not able to come or an emergency happens and stops me, prevents me from being here. I'm not able to show up. I'm limited. But God is not limited. God always shows up. He can't be prevented from showing up. Whatever he purposes to do something, whenever he purposes to do something, nothing can stand in his way. Isaiah 40, 12 through 15. Listen to this. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in the measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in the balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he takes up the aisles as a very little thing. This is our God, unlimited, unstoppable. Spurgeon gives a great illustration of the grace of God being sufficient by imagining a little fish in a big river or a big ocean and saying, oh no, is there enough water for me? Is there enough water? Am I going to be able to swim? Am I going to dry up and run out of water? And God's saying, oh little fishy, my grace is sufficient for you. There's enough water. There's enough grace. No matter what situation you are walking through, there's enough grace at that throne room. There's enough grace for you. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. 
So we see that weakness is necessary. Weakness is to be embraced. And that the grace of God is always sufficient. Going back to my story, uh, after two years of uh, debilitating weakness and, and uh, Rachel and I walking through that, um, the Lord led us to uh, just some, some neat connections uh, in our body and just some neat provisions. He led us to a specialty clinic for chronic fatigue syndrome in California. And uh, they ended up uh, properly diagnosing her and giving her a, really a simple treatment that was a year-long, um, a year-long simple antiviral treatment. And after about three to four months, we started noticing some improvement. And that improvement just kept getting better and better and better. Um, and praise the Lord, now she's, I wouldn't say at like full capacity, but definitely functional. Uh, and we just praise the Lord for that. And uh, then we, I mean, she's been strong enough to have two kids and the third one on the way. And I'm so thankful, right? I'm so thankful, not only for Rachel's strength, but also for what God taught us through that. And as a couple of nights ago, when Rachel was reminding me to be excited about weakness, I still need this. Lord, I, I definitely still need this. To remember to not fall back into trusting my own strength, but to remember that weakness is to be embraced. The power of God rests in that. So here are some practical things uh, that come from my experience and from the passage of what we can do when we're weak. First thing is to acknowledge your weak state. Americans don't like to be weak. <laughs> we like to have, even if we're weak, we like to cover it up and say, oh yeah, well, you know, I got something over here, but I'm strong over here. There's something that prevents us, it's probably pride, that pre prevents us from coming to one another and say, you know, I'm weak. I don't know what to do in this area. I, I've been struggling with this and I, I just, it seems like I can't move forward with it. Or I want to serve the Lord, but um, I'm just taking care of my family right now. And it uh, feels like we keep falling behind and not moving forward. It's silly to pretend to be something that you're not. Uh, victorious Christianity is not pretending that you're strong when you're not. I mean, even, even Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Christ and him crucified. And right after that, he says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. We must acknowledge our weak state. Secondly, we need to repent. We need to repent. There's so many things that we've done in resisting weakness. We've grumbled been unthankful in our own soul. We've complained, not only grumbling to ourselves, but grumbling to others. We've had self-pity, feeling sorry for ourselves. Oh, woe is me. If only this wasn't removed. If only I was healthy. If only I had a strong mind. If only I had a different upbringing. If only, if only. Self-loathing. Some of us need to repent from this. 
This is agreeing with God, or excuse me, agreeing with the devil and hatred of your own soul. This is serious stuff. Unbelief, not believing the promises of God, despair, giving up hope in God, covetousness, wishing you had someone else's circumstances, coveting their circumstances, and pride, wanting the others to see you as strong and not weak. I know all these by personal experience, and I'm sure many of you have experienced these as well. We need to repent from these. We need to fill our minds with truth. We need to be going into these passages and remembering the power of God uh, that's available, remembering His grace, remembering how He is sufficient. We need to fill our mind with truth. Next, we need to embrace the weakness. How do we embrace weakness? Giving thanks. We give thanks in everything, the scripture says. It even says for all things, right? Lord, I thank you that I am praising you right now and that this weakness reminds me that my strength does not come from myself, that it comes from you. And I'm praising you right now. And if I was strong, I probably would not be praising you right now. And so I thank you for that. I thank you that you are working and moving even though I cannot see. I thank you that, and we can go on and on and on. Rejoicing, boasting even. I'm not even sure what that looks like, right? To boast and say, I got no sleep last night. I feel weak, feel like I can't think. Praise the Lord. God must have something good in store this day. Next, what we can do is we can love the Lord God of all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Here's what I would say. If you're weak, exert what you have. Exert what you have. Say, Brother Walter, I don't have anything. I just have a little bit of strength. And say, well, give it to Jesus. Well, I have... A chunk of strength. We'll give it all to Jesus. Well, I have a big amount of strength. Well, I'm going to say the same thing. Give it all to Jesus. You may be weak, but you can still love God to the fullest. I don't care how weak you are. You can still obey the commandment. Love the Lord your God of all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. (laughs) Some have bags of money, but you only have two pennies. How will you spend them? Some may have lots of strength. Some may have little strength. How are you going to spend it? Justin only has one leg right now. Most of us have two legs we're able to use. Spend them for Jesus. Justin only has the use of one leg right now. Spend it for Jesus. And then lastly, expect to see Christ's power. Sometimes God works by healing. Sometimes God works by giving supernatural strength. Sometimes he works by giving you grace to endure great difficulty, which then in turn draws others to Christ. He might want others to see you walking through difficulty. Sometimes he works by using your weakness to comfort someone else 20 years down the road. But it's up to God to determine how he works. We just trust and rest assured that he surely will work.
He surely will work. When you are weak, then you are strong. Definitely hear the exhortation that was given to Joshua to be courageous, to be strong. And how is that strength achieved? How is the power of Christ going to rest upon you? Through weakness. Through weakness. I'm going to pray. And then I'd love for us just to conclude with that, uh, that last song that we sang, um, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. Lord, in the words of that song, Lord, the night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side, the Savior, he will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need, his power is displayed. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you would teach us as a body of believers, Lord, to embrace weakness, to not be afraid when that difficulty comes. To not be afraid when it seems like we're powerless. When our energies are sucked up doing other things. Lord, help us to have an excitement, an expectancy to, to know that you are working the most when we are weak. Lord, help us to, to not be afraid of that weakness, Lord, but, and to not be prideful, but to, to share with others, Lord, and to be vulnerable with each other. And Lord, I do pray that you would pour forth your grace. That as there is an increase in humility, that as there is an increase of faith, as there is an increase of crying out to, the, to God and saying, God, why? What purpose do you have in this? Yet will I seek you, the Lord, that you would move, that you would do a work in our hearts, that you would do a work in those around us. Lord, remind us that this race that we, we run and this work that we do and that we labor in is not a physical work, Lord, nothing that our strength even helps with, Lord, but it's a spiritual work anyway. And Lord, I do pray that the power of Christ would rest upon us. Lord, we love you. I'll just open it up. Uh, Just create some space if anybody wants to pray in response to God's word.
Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hold my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed. To this I hold my shepherd will defend me through the deepest valley he will lead oh the night has been won and i shall overcome yet not i but through christ in me no fate i dread I know I am forgiven, the future sure, the price it has been paid, for Jesus pled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overcome the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Through the now and ever is my plea. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath, 
I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Amen. Yet not I, but through Christ in us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Uh, Lord, uh, I pray a blessing over our time of fellowship, Lord, as we break here. Uh, may you be exalted. Uh, and may there be something here, Lord, that we can take home and begin to apply in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother, for sharing that simple, encouraging message. You know, one thing that especially rang true with that message is comparing it with the history of the church for the last 2,000 plus years and uh, being a history major myself and particularly church history, I can tell you without a doubt that the things that stood the test of time, the stories you remember, the, the places where the most impact was made throughout church history was in people's weakness in those areas that God was then made strong and his kingdom was built. The stories that, stood, that stand the test of time in building the church and building God's kingdom, they're not the miraculous healings and great financial wealth and all these other things that are so often taught in churches today. That's not to say that God can't and won't do those things. He does. But where the church was built was in human weakness, where God's strength was able to be made manifest. And the opposite was true without fail. Where there was no adversity, if you will, in the times where men felt like they had it together. That's when things fell apart without fail. And to me, that's 
encouraging to, to hear that message and think of it in light of history of what God has done in the church throughout the years. And it, and it is true, it has been uh, borne out throughout history. And that's encouraging to me. The track record that God has of working in our weakness. That's not a hindrance to God. In fact, it opens more doors for God to work in our lives. And I thank him for that. So thank you again, brother. I think we'll wrap up the service here. Meal is uh, ready, I believe. So let's all stand to our feet and we'll ask a blessing on the noon meal. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have had here this morning to worship you, to praise you, to hear your word, and to know the truth of your word, and to be able to see throughout history how you have been faithful throughout physical adversities in, in our lives, whatever it may be, whatever the weakness, you have always been faithful. And we know that you will continue that. I thank you and praise you for what you will do. I thank you for this food that you have provided for us. We pray your blessing on it. I pray that you would bless our fellowship and that you would be honored and lifted up in our lives today. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.